Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me for today's podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review. This podcast is designed to help open your awareness to the truth of who you are, a limitless being. You are worthy and deserving of an abundant and prosperous life. It's time to peel back the false beliefs and live the life you dream about. For additional resources or to contact me directly, please visit my website, heatherhakes.com. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 409. In today's podcast, you are going to learn from my guest how to unlock your power. What I really love is how she shares three fundamental truths on how you can change your future and that you don't have to wait. More importantly, she drops some serious golden nuggets. So make sure you listen all the way to the end. Welcome to today's interview. I brought on Bobby Kaler. Bobby, welcome. Thanks for having me, Heather. Please give listeners a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? Well, I live in Grand Lake, Colorado, which is on the other side of the continental divide from where you are in, down in uh, the Denver area, right outside Rocky Mountain National Park. And I love the outdoors, which is why I moved up here. I love everything about it. That's how I get my rejuvenation and re-energized. Um, and then what I do, I'm a podcast host, as well as I'm a coach, a self-leadership coach. And I'm also an author. So I, I keep pretty busy. Ooh, so we're very similar, parallel yeah. lives. <laughs> That's right. I'd love for you to tell a little bit more about your background. Like what was, you shared with me your experience at 23 year olds. So maybe you want to share that, but also just what changed, what was that life trajectory, the change in your life that has put you on this new path? Pardon the interruption. If this content is resonating with you, please be sure to leave a five-star review. I want to offer you some additional resources. Visit my website, heatherhakes.com, and sign up for my free video training on how to reprogram your subconscious mind. Again, visit my website, heatherhakes.com. I've also created a self-study course all about mindset and manifesting. You can find this on my website, heatherhakes.com forward slash course. Finally, if you are ready to deep dive and really transform your life, I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. I will help you create clarity and a roadmap so you can live the life you dream about. Best part? Everything I teach, you can start implementing right now. To learn more and schedule your free discovery call, visit heatherhakes.com forward slash coaching. Now, back to regular programming. Wow. Um, so a little bit about my background. I think... Going way back, I was first introduced to the power of coaching when I was a freshman. Well, actually, it probably goes back even earlier than that, but I'm going to say freshman in high school because I was diagnosed at the age of six with what the speech pathologist called catastrophic speech problems. And he told my mom, he's like, yeah, she's going to have a lifelong disability. There's no hope, all this kind of nonsense. And my mom said, yeah, well, we're not going to listen to him because you never let someone else tell you what you can or cannot do. And mom worked with me very, very hard over the years. But as you can imagine, as a kid with speech problems, I was actually in my twenties before I stopped thinking to myself as someone with speech problems. And so when I was a, uh, in the eighth grade, I hated being in class when you had to speak in public. So I thought I need to challenge myself because this is going to be a limitation. You have to be able to speak. 
in front, you know, in front of people. So I decided to take a speech, a speech class in my freshman year. And it turned out this, the teacher, his name was Mr. Jordan. He was also the, the coach for the speech and debate team. So first day, you know, when I have to give my first presentation, I give my presentation, it's an absolute train wreck and I'm not being hard on myself. It was bad. And after class, when the, when the bell rang, Mr. Jordan said, Bobby, can you stick around for a minute? And Heather, I thought he was going to say, don't bother coming back. And instead he said, have you ever thought about joining the speech and debate team? And I looked at him and I laughed and I said, did you somehow miss my presentation? Cause it was bad. And he said, yeah, it wasn't very good, but you have potential. And he said, I think with your potential and your work ethic and my coaching, you could become really good at this. And I think that's really where I fell in love with how do we help people move past their present performance and really maximize their potential. So that's where I fell in love with it. And you know what I mean? And from there, it's like, I studied it eventually in my undergrad, my undergrads in human performance improvement. My graduate degree has its leadership, coaching, adult learning. And, but I can point to almost every job I've ever had. And that's what I've loved most about it is helping people believe in themselves and in bigger possibilities for themselves. So I think it's just part of, it's, it's almost part of my DNA, if that makes yeah. sense. Well, I love that. And there's so many things I could touch on there, but something that stood out that I've written down is many people get hooked on the story of limitation. And for some reason, you, number one, you had that mentor, that coach that saw the potential and wanted to pull it out of you. So that is amazing. But so many people do live in the, I'm not enough. I won't succeed. I'm not capable these BS. Well, I think of them as bullshit, but they're, they're belief systems. Mm-hmm. So how were you, you had this like innate belief to achieve that you were more than, but how did you overcome that? Because the proof, what was in front of you said otherwise. I, I think I have to attribute, you know, my, my parents were not, they, they were not educated, right? They were high school grads, but my parents before we even talked about growth, you know, before growth mindset was a thing that everybody talked about, that's what my parents instilled in me. Like when my mom said that to, she's like, I mean, she was serious. We're not going to listen to him. She wouldn't let me work with him, that speech pathologist. And like, I remember one day the principal called my mom and he's like, Kathy, why won't you let Bobby work with the speech pathologist? And she said, why would I let her work with someone who's already decided that she's going to fail? Mm. And I think that's really important. And like little things like this, like, um, I couldn't say the word milk. I couldn't say a lot of words, but milk was just, I couldn't make that L, that LK sound. And I remember one day I said to mom, I don't know how old I was, maybe eight, nine, 10 years old. I said, I just can't say that word. And she's like, no, you can't say it yet. And I think that word in, in like, I was always a small, I mean, I was a tiny kid, tiny, tiny, tiny. I was always the shortest kid in my class but I was always an athlete. So like I was going to, I was going to join the, the softball team. And I was actually the first girl to ever be asked in my hometown to play on the boys little league team because, but when I first stepped on the field, I wasn't good, but that didn't bother me. Cause to me, it was always just, I just have to, there's other people that are good. Like my sister, Nanette, she played, she went on to play semi-pro ball. So I'm like, well, Nanette knows how to play baseball. I'll watch her. I'll learn from her there. It's a learnable skill. And other people know the answer. 
So how do I find them and how do I learn? So it was just, I don't know if that's innate or if I picked it up from my parents or if it's a combination, but it's part of who I am. Are you familiar with the book Mindset by Carol Dweck? Oh yeah. So I only love that book. I listened to it on Audible. And so she talks about a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. And I believe we all have the capability to tune into that growth mindset, but I, it comes from choice. Ultimately, I I think it's one word choice. So yeah, ultimately you have a choice. Do you want to stay in this limitation that you believe to be true? Or do you think there's more available to us? And I think that sounds like the path you took. Absolutely. Because I, I don't, I was a huge Michael Jordan fan. And when he gave his Hall of Fame acceptance speech, he ended it with something like, limitations like fears are often an illusion. And I think that is spot on. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to downplay the fear. I'm not trying to downplay when, when we see something that seems like a limitation, because I feel fear. And it's like, hey, time, like I grew up in the Midwest, right? In Illinois, where everything's flat. I, where I live now, I live at 9,000 feet. There's nothing that's flat. So when I go cross country skiing and I'm about to go down a big hill, it's like, woo, like you feel that, right? Yeah. And that to me, that's when I just say, hey, waiting gives the double time and it's time to go. It's because that's exciting, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to learn something. Even if I fall, I will learn something and I will become a better skier because of it. A phrase I, I used a lot years ago, and I, I wrote about it in my book, but to let fear fuel you, not rule you. And I love yeah. this. Somebody explained it to me one time that the physical experiences we have, whether it's fear or excitement are the same thing. Your heart racing, maybe sweaty palms. It's the exact same physical reaction, but it's a change in perspective, fear and excitement. Yeah. It's on the same continuum, right? So one of the things that like, I think that's really helpful is when I feel that fear, I think about it in terms of, oh, this means I'm actually excited about something. So what is it that I'm excited about? Mm-hmm. And I shift my attention that way. And that kind of pulls you in that direction. Well, I would love to talk about, you told me that you used to be in sales leadership, right? I used to coach sales leaders. Okay. So I'd love for you to give a background at like, how did you get into that? And, and that's mm-hmm. a lot of mindset, right? Those, those that excel in sales are kind of like those athletes that excel in their sport. Yeah. So how I got into it is back in 2001, I, my husband and I, boyfriend at the time, we started our own business. That was in Portland. And I was working with sales teams and I was, you know, kind of working with individuals and that type of thing. And then a f- client of mine, she was up in Seattle and the company that she was with, they hired this company. And then she facilitated an introduction. I'm like, sure, that sounds like, like it could be fun. So over the years, I've coached more than, I stopped counting several years ago, but I've coached more than 3,000 people in that, in that capacity. So, so salespeople and sales leaders. And, and a lot of it is around, I mean, some of it is the technical skill of sales, but so often that's just the technical. It's the, what, what makes you push through a comfort zone or how do you push through a comfort zone or how do you learn something new? So it's really like, how do we evolve and learn the new skills. Because think about it, like in the last few years, how much has changed? And it was fascinating to me at the beginning of COVID, 
I was working with roughly a hundred managers at this one company. And I've been working with them for several years because we have quarterly calls. I'm going to say 40% of the folks said, hey, we're just going to wait until it goes back to normal. And these are group calls. And the other 60% were saying, dude, it's not going back to normal. We have to figure out how we are changing to meet this new challenge. And it was very interesting to see that and, and how that played out because so we had our call in March, which right after the shutdown, you know, and, it, and that and that was the conversation. By May, I had people who, who had the mindset of, hey, how do I prepare myself for this? You know, what's this new? Ch-? They were like, man, like they're closing deals. But more excitingly, more, more exciting than that, they're like, you know what I realized? My clients, they need me more than ever right now. So they were figuring out how do I help them even more? So it, it's fascinating to see the way, the, the, way, the way it plays out there. So two, two big things there. Change is the only constant. And I think yep. what happens when people get in comfort, I call it a boring ass box, the comfort zone. <laughs> because, you know, and, and it is so when you're wearing your blinders, there is so much more available to you when you open your perspective. And you're right. I believe these last two years, were a phenomenal opportunity, one, to go within. Mm-hmm. And two, something Tony Robbins is big on teaching is that you have to um, adapt and innovate. Life is about adapting and innovating, pivoting yeah. and innovating. Continually. It never stops. I think we fall into the lie that things can be constant. <laughs> Nothing you know I mean? is. Nothing is. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just like, I don't know if you've ever encountered this, but I, I know there's a I don't want to say who, but there's something in my personal life that's kind of close to me that I, she has this, like, she'll think about something that happened in the past and that was a happy moment. Mm. And she tries to recreate that. You can't, it, it was perfect in that moment. You can't go back and just try to recreate it. Even if you did had the exact same people, the exact, exact same location with the exact same food, it's a different experience, but we try to capture things and then we get frustrated and unhappy that we can't, but, but it's, it's, we can't, we can't capture it. I've literally experienced that. So I, I used to go to California a couple of times a year. SoCal area, anywhere between like San Diego and Newport beach. Oh yeah. I love Newport and Huntington beach. And this one time, this one weekend, we had so much fun. And every time I went back, I wanted that same high and fun. And you're right. It was Mm -hmm. never quite the same experience. And so what would you say there though? Is it about taking the energy from that, that fun, awesome experience? And rather than, oh, I guess for me, it's like rather than expecting the same, why don't you even think bigger? I think you said a key word. It's our expectation, Mm. right? Because I think many times our expectations, that dictates how we feel about something. Like simple example, I was out skiing at over at Snow Mountain, a cross country skiing over the weekend. And there's a run, it's called Pole Creek. And when you look at it, Heather, you think, oh, this is flat. So I, and I'm a good skier. So I'm like, I should be able to crush this. So I'm skiing, I'm skiing. I'm like, I'm not going fast enough. I'm not going fast enough. I'm not going fast enough. And I could feel like I'm not enjoying this. And then I realized, you know what? Cause it goes through these willows. So you can't actually see, but you're going up the whole time but you can't see that you're going up. So your expectation is this is flat. I should be able to go faster. 
Now there's another run where you're at the bottom of it and you're like, oh my goodness, holy geez, that's way up there. That I don't care if I'm going slower because I know that it's up. So it's like my expectation is shaping how I'm feeling about this, about this experience. Does that make sense? I think another way to explain that the exact same thing you're talking about, I like the scientific side of it, right? So the placebo or nocebo, which I shared with you before we started recording. Yep. But the placebo effect and the nocebo effect blatantly state our beliefs and expectations create our outcomes. That's right. So going Mm -hmm. into a sales call, if you don't have belief and expectation, you're going to close the deal. You're not. You're not. Yeah. Or going on. Yeah. (laughs) I I know people, especially in these times that are like single and still dating, like, oh, well, dating sucks. I don't think this one's going to go well. Well, number one, don't even go on it. Number two, you, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's what I think of it as. Completely. And on the dating thing too, think, I don't know, how, I don't know if this has happened to you, but I remember back in the day, um, like my friends would say, why is it that all the good men are taken? Mm-hmm. Well, think, think about the question that we're asking ourselves. What kind of answer are we going to get to? It's leading us. It's narrowing things down as opposed to opening things up. Mm-hmm. How would you reframe that then? I think in that case, it would be around ideally, what would I want in a relationship? You know, what would I, what would I, what are my interests? You know, that was the thing too. Like I remember after I broke up with one boyfriend, I spent some time to be like, who am I? What do I want? What do I want? You know, just out of life. And those are scary questions when you don't have the answers, you know, and what, what would be healthy? What would be a healthy relationship? I even came up with them. This was with the help of my coach. It was a red, yellow, green list. Because I I realized I was kind of attracting a certain type of person and it wasn't healthy. And so it was like, okay, the red list is, hey, if there's any of these qualities, we're done. That's it. Yellow is like, you can have a couple of these and it might be okay. Green is, woohoo, that's good. It was amazing how that built my awareness and it was powerful. It was a great exercise. Well, and you, one, created clarity and two, you're being intentional. Mm -hmm. I think another way to reframe that, and you can do this in many areas of life, but Dr. Joe Dispenza, I heard him on, I think it was Lewis Howe's podcast Mm. like two years ago, but Dr. Joe said, because Lewis tends to talk about relationships and stuff, but, um, you know, people want to know, how do I manifest my ideal relationship? So Dr. Joe was like, all right, sit down and write a list out of all the things you want in a partner. And then become that. Yeah. That was it. Because if you want to get into the quantum physics side of things, like attracts like. So -hmm. if you want someone athletic and healthy and intellectual and and loyal, you have to be those and you will literally attract that like a magnet. Yep. It's a great, great point. Yeah. And I think you can use that in so many areas of life. But um Something else I want to share or talk about that you shared with me, I asked you your billboard message. What do you want to share with humanity? And you said, you can change your future. What do you yeah. mean by that? Yeah. So that came out of something when I was 23 and it was at the time, I, and I, this, I shared this with you before, but um, my parents were great. They did not believe in college education. And in fact, my mom really didn't think it was necessary for me to c- complete high school. So I, I had to fight with her to stay in high school. 
Um, and it, and it, it was, it was pretty bad, but I did finish high school. And in my family, the expectation is you graduate high school, you move out within a month, you take care of yourself, you become an adult. So I did that the best that I could. Um, I had some good jobs and I was always a very high performer and where I was living, it was in Southwest Missouri. Opportunities were not plentiful. There just weren't, I mean, the Tyson poultry factory was one of the best places to work. Um, and I did not work there, but it, you know, that, that was one of the best places to work. So there I am, I'm working two jobs. I'm barely keeping my head above water. I'm eating tuna fish and macaroni casserole, you know, cause the only thing I could afford like five nights a week. And so it's new year's Eve. I work my two jobs. I go home. I'm sitting in my dark apartment and I was like, how did my life end up this way? And the answer that came back to me was your life is a reflection of the choices that you've made so far. And at first I thought, damn, I wanted to blame somebody. (laughs) Yeah, There's no one to blame there except for me. But literally like within seconds, I thought that is incredibly powerful and it's incredibly hopeful because if that's true, that my life is a reflection of the choices I made so far, what that means is that when I learn how to make better choices, I'll get better outcomes. And, and the funny thing is, it's not like I was making terrible choices, but I was making choices that were like other people in, in that environment. You know, the belief was, hey, you know, like, like at, at some of these places, some of these factories, like people would fight over these jobs. And I'm like, there's gotta be a better way. There's gotta be a different way. So one of the things I realized early on was not only did I wanna go to school, but I needed to move away from that because I didn't know what the answer was, but I was pretty sure I wasn't going to find it there. And, and so I moved, you know, I moved away from my family and I moved up to Illinois and I got a job and eventually I worked at a law firm in, in, in Chicago and I started making enough money where I could go to school. And that was absolutely amazing. But it was like, I have to change who I'm taught. Like I have to get new information. I have to get new insight. Oh, but anyway, so that came out of that experience led me to three fundamental truths that I still believe today. And the first is that the future can be changed, right? It's not set in stone. The past is the past, but the future is still up to us. The second one, second fundamental truth is that you can change your own future. Like sitting there in that dark apartment, no one is going to come knock on my door and say, hey, let me rescue you. You know, let me give you a college education. Let me, no one, I, I could do that. I could be my own hero there. And the third thing, and this is a trap I see a lot of people fall into, but it's, you don't have to wait because a lot of people think I have to have the whole plan. I have to have all the answers. And it's like, no, you just have to start. You just have to take action because then the lesson, the teacher, the, the resources, things will appear. You can learn what you need to learn, but you have to start. Okay. So. I'm like, well, how do I break this down? Where do I even begin? <laughs> the key thing that I like really want to highlight, and I think this is what happens to a lot of people, you get to a breaking point in life and you ask the question that New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. there's got to be a better way. Mm-hmm. And I think something similar happened to me. You know, I worked a decade in corporate and I was tired of cheering on Friday and dreading Monday week in and week out. And finally... Oh very similar. I was like, there's got to be a better way. And you're right. I did not know the how I had a lot of fear because our belief, the conditioned story is the American dream. You go to college, you get a degree, you work that nine to five until you retire and then you die. Yeah. 
And I was like, there's got to be another way. Like, this isn't my dream. And I did not have a plan. I didn't know what I was going to do, but literally you are right. And I think it, who is it that says that? I don't think it was MLK, but you know, you don't have to see the whole staircase. You just have to take the first step. Right. I wish I could quote that properly, but anyway, you are right. And the big thing Mm -hmm. I emphasize all the time The how is not your job. Mm. If you create clarity or even if if you do the whole surrender and it's like, okay, I don't know what, but I love this. This is a motto and mantra I use. Show me the way. So for you in that situation, but you had enough courage to seek more, to remove yourself from an environment. And I think more importantly, to take responsibility. And that's why I love the... um, the phrase you said, life is a reflection of the choices you've made so far. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we can't change it. Right. right? And it, it is the personal responsibility. Right. And I, I, you know, you said courage and it's funny because I don't even know, like I, I get people tell me that a lot, like, Oh, you know, you, you, you've taken all these risks and I think, okay, maybe, but I just think about it as the greatest risk. If you're not happy, the greatest risk is doing nothing. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so it might even drive my husband. My husband's very, he's a coach as well. So, you know, he, we're on the same page a lot. But I, <laughs> I, I don't know if it drives him crazy because some of my favorite questions, the things to say are like, there's got to be a better way because there is, there's, there's got to be a better way. Or um, I wonder what would happen if that's one of my favorite games to play. I wonder what would happen if, because yeah. it's just like a hypothetical and, and he plays along, but sometimes it's just like opening up new possibilities. I, well, I, I like to use the word curious. I live in a state yes. of curiosity. Yes. It's huge. And, and I want to note that we're currently recording this the first week of February. And what you said, that third principle you shared is you don't have to wait. And I think so many of your people wait for January 1st to make change oh, in their God. life, for Monday to make change. And I'm like, you can ch- make the choice right now, this moment. Every yes. moment is a new start. New Year's resolutions have bugged me for about 30 some years. Okay. <laughs> I mean... It's like, what's your new year's resolution? And I always thought about it this way. If I, in June, let's say in June, I have an idea about a change I want to make. Why would I wait six months? Why not make the change then? There's no perfect time to make a change. The perfect time to make a change is when you feel it and you feel the pull. That's the, that's the perfect time to make the change. Don't wait. Yes. So I have a feeling like I just got this little tug in my ear. I feel like Whoever is listening and watching to this right now, they're realizing, wow, I want to change my health or my relationship or my job or so what would you like to tell them, Bobby? When you said health, Heather, um, you know, back in 2003, I collapsed and I almost died because I was a classic entrepreneur working, working way too hard, not taking care, not listening to my body, all that kind of stuff. Six months into that illness, I had a doctor say that what he believed I had, that only 3% of people would experience a full recovery. And my first question back to him was, okay, but when can I go for a run again? And he's like, I don't think you're hearing me. 
And he goes, I think your days, of, you might have to accept your days of being an athlete are over. Um, and I thought, no, I don't have to accept that. I don't know what it can look like, but I don't have to accept it. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was another year, about 14, 16 months later, I found another doctor who said, I've seen this, I've treated it. It's a long road back, but you can become healthy again. And it, it all, all, in all total, it was about a 10 year journey. Um, and now as an athlete, I mean, I ride my bike to the top of mountain passes. I cross country ski. I never did those things before I got sick. So what I would want to say there is I don't care what your starting place is. It's doing the stuff every single day that will eventually move you in the right direction. Like with that one doctor, Dr. Barb, she was my second doctor. She said at a point, she's like, you're ready to start taking walks now. My first walk, Heather, was to the end of my driveway and it was 20 feet long. I had to sit down at the end of my driveway and collect it because I was, it was so exhausted. And I, I got back into the house and I went right to bed. That was my first walk. Before getting sick, I could run eight miles every other day, you know? And so every day I just had to focus on what can I do today? Not worrying about what I've done in the past or where I want to go. What can I do today? And there were some days where I thought, you know what? Like my first long walk was to the end of the block, which was four houses away. I sat on the curb with my feet in the gutter because I'm like, I'm so exhausted, but that's what I can do today. And my commitment was if I could just take one extra step every single day, I would eventually get to a better place. And it was a long road. So again, I don't care what the starting place is. Yeah. Just that, that consistent action and, and attention to it can lead us to where we want to go. Well, and I think consistency is for sure key, but also what you stated was presence because you're right. So many people are stuck living in that past that like that time is gone and it's tomorrow gone. isn't guaranteed, which creates all the stress, worry, anxiety, right? So if you mm -hmm. are present right here, right now, and you're like, okay, I'm just going to take the first step. I'm going to yeah. send the email. I'm going to reach out to so-and-so just take the first step. And don't worry about what the next one might be. But you're really right about the presence. I remember this was about, I don't know two or three months in when I'd started my walking and I made it six blocks and it was a huge, it was in, in so many ways, it should have been a huge victory. And there was a church and I sat down on the church steps so I could rest before turning and going back home. And it was a day in October. And I remember getting really depressed because I thought, oh my God, this is a big victory that I walked six blocks. You know, when I used to be able to run the eight miles and it was like, it was like this big universe tapping you on the shoulder and it was like, it doesn't matter what you did in the past. That's gone. What matters is right now. And, and what will you do now? And that was one of the best lessons for me out of the whole thing was just that this, this is what we have, this in this moment. What I want to share now is one of the headlines you have on your website is unlock your power. And I yes. feel like until we get I'm just going to share from my experience and then I want you to share it. Okay. I know that we all have unlimited potential mm -hmm. and that the only limitation any of us have are in our mind, mm -hmm. but here's how I experienced that. So in, um, 2018, that summer, I lived in San Diego. I taught paddleboard yoga. That's when I was writing my book. It was so fun. So how old was I? 
like 33 living on the beach, literally living on the beach across from the ocean. It was amazing. Wow. And it was a few years before, I think it was in 2011, I ran my first half marathon. And like you, I am a runner. I love running, but I didn't train that well. I I wasn't clear. I I didn't follow a training map program. And the longest run I ran before the half marathon was eight miles the Monday before the race. So, oh boy. Yeah. Anyway, so I finished, I finished, I think it was 204. So two hours, four minutes, which isn't bad, but I was, I was in so much physical pain for weeks after going to a Cairo, getting laser treatment in my feet, which I was in so much pain. So I created fear around running. And here's why I want to share the story. I had so much fear, but since I was a young girl, running has always been my freedom, my release, my, you know, a runner's high. Mm -hmm. So something clicked in me that summer of 2018, I, I I had a personal trainer at 24 hour fitness there in San Diego. And again, limitation of the mind. I don't believe I can jump. And so at the end of my training period, you know, those box jumps, there's like, depending on what side it's on is however many inches it goes. Yeah something clicked. And I was like, all right, by the time I leave this summer. And so that was August of 2018. I want to be able to on the highest, which I think is like 36 inches. Sounds about right. Okay. Which is three feet. I'm five, four. Like that's, that's a good jump. Okay. So, and of course there's fear and I'm afraid and I'm standing in front of it guys. This is just a, 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 you know, a box (laughs) jump. I'm standing in front of it and something something ignited in me. I literally took a step back, fixed my ponytail. And, and that's when I created the belief in my mind. And so there I, I, and I have this on video in slow-mo. That's why this is so amazing. So I can rewatch it anytime I need that, that um, jolt of energy. But I, I did, I adjusted my ponytail. I'm standing in front of it and I went to jump and I cleared it by a couple of inches, landed on both feet, stood up tall, like so proud. So why I'm sharing that is that moment of, you know, unlocking my power, I decided Mm -hmm. I was going to conquer my fear of running. So Mm -hmm. in May of 2019, I ran a marathon and now I'm getting chills. So it was January of 2019. I signed up for it because that's the thing. You have to know what you want, but then you got to sign up for it or you know, register your domain or, or if you want, get on a dating app or whatever your next step is, you've got to register. And then I got smarter, right? So we learn from experience, you hope. I created a a 20 week training plan. I learned about nutrition. I learned about recovery. And for those five months of training, I was sure I'm running pavement, but it was more for me mental. And I'm literally saying out loud what I was running. I am powerful. I am strong. I am a finisher. And I would just see Mm. these mantras go. And every run I ran, even if it was three miles, I pretended it was the full marathon. That's important. So visualizing and going through the finish line, like I was, and that's the power of imagination and visualization. And the reason I, I, let me sum it up. So the day race day, I'm out there running. I am crushing it. I'm running like eight minute miles. And I was training at like nine minute mile pace. So I'm crushing it eight. You know, there's so much adrenaline. Yeah. Crushing it eight minute miles. And then those first 23 miles, I killed it. And then I hit the wall, you know, the perceived wall that they tell you about that you're going to hit at mile 18 or mile 20. 
but I got through 18 and I got through 20 and I was like, woo, but 23 is when my quads locked up. But anyway, thank heavens, I had those five months of training. And so I had those last three miles were run, walk, run, walk. And I ended up finishing in four hours, 14 minutes. And my goal was 420 or less. That's awesome. And the reason I ultimately share all of that, I got to experience the power of mindset because the body Mm -hmm. can achieve whatever the mind can conceive. And no matter where this, you know, the listeners are in life, whether it's your health, your finances, relationships, career, any area, bucket of life, you can achieve, you can unlock your power, but it begins in the mind. It completely does. Because we have to get out of, we have to get out of our own way, let go of some of those things. That's a great story. Yes. Well, I, I know it just, I didn't plan to share that, but that's what came out because you're right. Unlocking your power. And I want to ask, you know, What does that mean for you? Or you've had so many experiences, but was there one specifically that made you realize you are an unstoppable force? I think there's been a few. One that really comes to mind for me, it was back after um, I'd been in a relationship, the one, one before I met my now husband, and it wasn't healthy. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't like it was abusive. It just wasn't, well, it wasn't physically abusive, but it wasn't healthy. Um, and I always felt less than, mm-hmm. and I remember we broke up and I had gone for a walk where well, I was on vacation in Cabo and I'd gone for a walk along the beach. And then every morning I get up early, get my coffee and I'd go for a walk. And it was just beautiful. Cause it was real quiet. No one else was up yet. And I was walking along and I'm like, gosh, I feel so happy. And yet in some ways, like everything that was important to me, I lost my house. I, you know, almost everything physical was, was taken away because of this breakup and, and some key relationships I lost and have, but I'm happier than I've ever been before. Why is that? Yeah. And it was, and what I realized is that when I'm looking at myself through my eyes, I like myself. Mm-hmm. And that moment I thought I will never give that power to someone else again. I'm not, because I realized I had lived for the eight years, seeing myself through someone else's eyes mm-hmm. and, that, and that gives away your power. Yes. That's me. I get to decide, you know? And so that, that was my, that was one of my first really big experiences that way. I love that. So question for you, because I feel like we've touched on a lot. What is a key takeaway you want listeners to get? That where you are right now, that's just your starting place and find one action, one action. I don't care how small that action is, find it and take it. And that will lead you to your next action. Yes. I love that. That creates the roadmap. That creates it. Yes. I'd love to wrap up the interview. So I have a few rapid fire questions for you. Okay. What is a quote or motto that you live by? One that, especially around fear, one, and I, I mentioned it earlier, but it's the whole, you know, waiting gives the devil time. And so if there's something I'm afraid to do, I'm just going to do it. And, and the faster I do it, the better. I mean, if, you know, like you, I'm not going to go walk through a snake pit or something, but you know, I mean, like, uh, but that's what I try to do. If I feel it, I just say, okay, let's go. Let's get it done. Now go towards it because then it no longer has power over you. That's right. And then yes. it's no longer scary either. Yeah. I have to share on that note, even like we could talk procrastination, I think forever, but 
I realized the amount of time I spent mentally avoiding and procrastinating doing the thing was more than if I went and just Mm -hmm. did the thing. Way more, way more effort, tons more. Tons of energy wasted. So you're right. Just go do the thing. Just do it. And it won't be that bad. You'll probably like it. (laughs) (laughs) What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? Hmm. I'm reading a book right now called Positive Intelligence, and it's based in neuroscience, and it's about the, the, the internal saboteurs and how they show up and how they, you know, the whole relationship that we have. So I highly recommend that book. Well, that's up my alley. What is it called? Positive Intelligence. Positive. Yeah, I love neuroscience. Cool. Yeah. And there's actually a website associated with it where if you go there, you can take it for free. You can take the, an assessment that takes, I don't know, three minutes and it will, and it will show you which your sabot- which ones you have. It's very powerful. And mine were spot on. Thank you for sharing. Final question. What advice would you give your younger self? To trust myself sooner and at a deeper level. Mm. I think when I've gone wrong, it's because I knew, you know, but I didn't trust it. And so I, I think that's what it would be trust myself sooner and and at a deeper level. What a great note to end on. Bobby, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me as a guest. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. I'd love it if you could leave a review and remember to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. If you haven't yet, connect with me on the social platforms. You can add me on Instagram at heather.hakes and subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'll catch you on the next episode.